Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11, this is the NIV, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that they so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become, uh, to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, so let it be in this house. Grow us up, Lord. Grow us up. Help us to push through the chaos that is the growing process and and come out on the other side fully mature and developed and ready to go into the world and speak your truth in love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as an avid... uh, enthusiast of military history, I know that the success of any mission depends on the preparation of the soldiers involved. No matter how good the team is, no matter how, no, no matter how good they are as soldiers, there has to be a time of specialized preparation before they undertake any mission. The, the preparation should take into consideration both the demands of the mission and the needs of the soldier. A couple of weeks ago, we started a brand new series called On Mission. On Mission. And the mission was defined by Jesus in the passage we just read in Matthew. And he said, very simply, go make disciples. That's the mission. That's what we've all been called to. From Ephesians 4, we found out that the method of carrying out the mission is called ministry. Ministry means serving others. And Jesus intended that every one of his followers be in full-time ministry, using the gifts and the talents and the resources that he gave to each one of us to serve those around us with genuine love. Can't fake it till you make it. You actually got to love people. No exclusions, no excuses. So last week, we talked about what it would look like when the mission gets accomplished. The body of Christ fully formed 
every part in its place, working together to carry out the mission until we're all completely united and mature, solid in our faith and our doctrine, pure in our motives. So we know what the mission is, and we know what it looks like when we accomplish the mission. And we know that serving others is how we carry out the mission. What we haven't talked about is preparation. How do you get ready for the mission? How do you prepare? Can just anybody get on mission? Those are the questions that I want to start exploring today, and it's going to take us into the future as the Lord continues just to unfold this for all of us. But I want to start to explore those uh, those questions today in a, in a message simply called Mission Prep. Mission Prep. Let's talk about what it takes for us, the soldiers in God's army, to get prepped for this disciple-making mission of service that he sent us on. We're going to go back to Ephesians, and we're going to, go, we're going to back up to the first verse in that chapter that we've been in for several weeks. So it, it starts, this chapter starts like this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Paul, the author of this letter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, I'm begging you, this is important, you need to live a life worthy of your calling because you've been called by God. So here's the first thing I want us to see in terms of preparing for the mission that God called us on. The first thing is answer the call. Answer the call. It seems kind of elementary, and quite honestly, I, I wanted to skip this and move into some of the other, the other aspects, but I felt compelled to start here. The verse says, walk worthy of the calling of your life because you've been called by God. I want you to understand that. It's God who did the calling. That makes this thing way more important than any other thing in your life. This invitation is to be a part of God's family. It's a part, he wants you to be a part of his army. This is a divine invitation. I know we were raised to believe in this rugged American individualism, this pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of attitude, but listen to me carefully today, that ain't got nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You did not save yourself. You didn't just choose him, he chose you. You don't just go choose the God of the universe without his invitation. The salvation that he offers, the call that he extends, it benefits you, but it's not about you. It came from Jesus. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus. The call is given by the voice of Jesus, carried by the spirit of Jesus. We're saved by the grace of Jesus through faith in Jesus, given as a gift of Jesus to the glory and the honor and the praise of King Jesus. Now, what part of that's confusing? It's about him. It's about him. This call that we've received is all about Jesus. So I have to ask you the question today, have you answered the call? That's the only way that you can be part of the army of Jesus. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you admitted that you're a sinner? 
and repented of your sin? Have you understood that Jesus died on the cross, a real, literal, wooden cross with metal spikes in his wrists and in his feet for your sin and my sin? And that he's your only source of righteousness. That without him, you and I would still be sinners, lost in our sins and destined for hell. That understanding, that, that uh, confession is how you answer the call. It is a complete and total, unconditional surrender of your life to him. There's no adding Jesus to your team. There's, there's no version where you get to wear a cross but don't bear a cross. Where you get to pick and choose the principles of Jesus that you like and then ignore the ones you don't. When the call comes, it comes with the assumption of absolute surrender. So let me ask you again. Have you answered the call? If Billy Graham was right, and in in his assertion that on any given Sunday, about 60% of the people who are gathered in churches are not saved. Take it up with Billy, I didn't say it. It's because we fail to preach this fundamental premise of salvation, which is surrender. It is, you must be born again. You must die to yourself, not just one time in an altar, but every day of your life. And here's why I bring this up in mission prep. If ministry is serving and the followers of Jesus are supposed to serve, and we are, then there's this temptation to just try to take a shortcut and dive into ministry hoping that that will please him. Just start serving people. Like there's a, there is a, I don't know if you recognize this, but there is a biological reward to serving other people. You, the, the dopamine that gets released into your brain makes you feel good about yourself. But listen, it does not make you a Christian. You're high on dopamine. You ain't saved. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works. You cannot work your way into a relationship with Christ no matter how much good you do. You cannot minister your way into a relationship with Christ. You can't put on the uniform and claim to be a soldier. That's not how it works. You have to answer the call. Jesus famously said, there'd be many people, and I don't want you to miss that word. Jesus didn't use words lightly. He said, many people will stand before me on that day and say, hey, look at all the ministry we did in your name. And Jesus said, he's going to have to reply, I don't even know you. What an awful day. What an awful eternity. But listen, today it's not too late. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time for accepting the call. Jesus is calling. Before you go rushing out to get on mission, be sure that you've answered the call. Because it's first and foremost preparation for a life of ministry. Now this verse says, walk worthy of the call that you've received. He's not talking to the clergy 
okay? He's not talking to a gathering of church staff members in the city of Ephesus. He's talking to everyone who has answered the call to salvation. If you're saved, he's talking to you. After you've answered the call, there is an expectation of life change. When you love Jesus enough to surrender your life to him, then you should also love him enough to obey his commands and allow his character and nature to begin to develop in you. I know that sounds overwhelming. You're like, God, he's so perfect, and I'm so not. Like, I don't even know where to start. I want to tell you where to start today. There's two areas that he lists in, in, in these next couple of verses that I want you to see. Let's look at verse 2. He said, walk worthy in verse 1. Now let's look at what he's talking about. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. If you're going to get prepped for the mission of ministry that Jesus has called each of us to, we first have to answer the call, and then we have to be humble. (laughs) You're like, John, can we start on something easier? No? No, I don't think so. You, You look back through the pages of military history, confidence is key. Arrogance is fatal. Confidence is key. Arrogance is fatal. Arrogance is what gets you killed on a battlefield. Arrogant soldiers don't take the mission prep seriously because they're convinced of their own superiority. They overestimate themselves and their abilities and they underestimate their enemies. And it gets them killed. Yes, everyone's been given gifts. Yes, the mission is the most important mission in the world. Yes, we walk in the power and authority of Jesus. Yes, we can and should be confident in Jesus and in his calling of us. But authentic spiritual power is repelled by pride. Because God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So if you're walking in pride and arrogance, Whatever you think you're walking in, it's not the power of God. You can't walk in true spiritual power and pride at the same time. I've said this many times, but I don't, I don't believe that the opposite of faith is fear. You can, and here's why. Because you can step out in faith and obey God and be scared to death. Anybody else ever done that besides me? Three of you. Fantastic. Faith, I think the opposite of faith is pride. Faith is all about God's power, God's resources, God's timing, God's will, God's plan. Pride is all about my power, my resources, my plan, my will, my timing. I'll do what I want when I want. Those two things don't ever intersect. Never. You can't carry out God's mission in your power. You can't use God's power to achieve your mission. They just don't mesh. If you're walking in pride, you are not on mission for Jesus. And it doesn't matter if the ministry is in the pulpit or in some outreach or in feeding the hungry. Whatever the area of ministry, pride prevents spiritual success and power. And we need 
the power of Jesus if we're going to be successful in ministry. I was talking to a friend this week about pride, and her point was pride isn't just arrogant boasting, it's also quiet self-dependence. You don't have to tell everybody else, but between you and God, you think you got this. (laughs) A commitment to doing things your way, despite what God told you. Pride's also complacency. It's also withholding ministry from other people just because you didn't get what you wanted from God. False humility is pride. Timidity is pride because you're exalting your feelings of discomfort over obedience to His call. There's a lot of subtle and not so subtle ways that pride sneaks in. I promise you, if you ask the Holy Spirit to search you and to show you any ways that are in, in you that are not pleasing to Him, He'll point, out, he'll point them out and, and at the root of almost all of them are pride. Do you remember how we're supposed to carry out the mission? It's ministry. And what's ministry mean? Serving. You cannot simultaneously serve others and yourself. You can't put yourself in the equation. It has, it's become this buzzword now to talk about servant leadership. Have y'all heard that? Servant leadership. And they talk about it even in secular, uh, in, in, in the secular world because it works. So, but, but it's also, it's not just about leadership. It's also servant evangelism and servant prophecy and servant pastoring and servant teaching and servant apostleship and servant giving and servant singing and servant greeting. You fill in the blank with anything you think you're doing for the Lord and it better begin with serving. If it has to do with ministry, it has to begin with humility and with serving because pride will pollute it and pervert it. What's the verse say? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. And make allowances for each other's faults. He didn't say don't see them. You can't help but see them, right? Have y'all ever noticed faults in anyone else? They're right. They're like blinking. Guess what? So are yours. (laughs) And humility teaches you that. Proud people are rough and rude and dismissive. Gentleness is a function of humility. If you humble yourself before the Lord, you'll be gentle with his people because you know how much he cares for them. If you humble yourself before the Lord, you'll be patient with other people because you know you need people to be patient with you. If you humble yourself before the Lord, you'll be understanding of other people's faults because you know you got faults of your own. Gentleness, patience, and understanding are all functions of humility. Humility is the key to mission preparation. If you want to know if somebody's ready for ministry, if you want to know if somebody is spiritually powerful, don't look at their giftedness. Look at the way they treat people when there's no audience. 
Don't look at the size of their church or their organization. Look at how they treat their staff. The American church for far too long has elevated gifted jerks and then excused ourselves by swearing the fruit is going to be worth it in the end. It's not. Character matters. Character matters. And the foundation of Christian character is humility. I'm really surprised to feel the pushback in the room on that. Because it's the people of God who suffer when gifted jerks get elevated to positions of leadership. There's a pile of bodies behind people who treat people as stepping stones to whatever's next for them. So, but the Lord says don't touch his anointed. He's not anointing their rudeness and their, well, I'm lost for words, their jerkiness. That didn't come from God. So don't get nervous when I call out the pulpit from the pulpit. Somebody should have been doing this a long time ago. And I'm not making this up. I'm, not, I'm certainly not elevating myself and, and, and taking some moral high ground. I'm just preaching the word. It has to be humble. y'all love that this is going to get even better it's not just for pastors you think pastors are the only one who struggle with pride <laughs> pride poisons believers in the workplace or in the nonprofit space or just in everyday life check your motive do you ever stop and ask yourself why you're doing something You ever, you ever seen social media posts from people who are humble bragging about doing some act of service? Taking a selfie with a homeless dude after they give him a bag of Chick-fil-A? Be talking about hashtag all about Jesus? Hashtag ministry is awesome. Hashtag I'm pretty much awesome at being humble. It's the 21st century equivalent of blowing the trumpets before you give a beggar some change. If you need somebody to pat you on the back for doing what Jesus told you to do in the first place, it's not ministry you're doing. And it's not obedience either. There's another motive is what I'm saying. Say, John, is it always wrong to tweet a picture? of? Just, just, Just ask yourself, what's the goal? What are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you trying to exalt? If Jesus is not at the front and center of what you're building, then you're not doing ministry. You're using Jesus to build your brand or to pad your resume. The mission is to go make disciples, not go build a platform or gather a following for yourself. Humility is the key for mission prep because the mission is a spiritual one. 
Let's read another verse. Verse 3. Make every effort. Whew, listen, I know I am in the right place and I am not going to stop. I have not felt pushed back like this in a long time. So we in the right spot and y'all just need to please fasten your seatbelts. There's about to be some turbulence. Okay? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one Spirit, just like you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is in all and through all, living through all. (laughs) So you, you have to answer the call. If you answer the call, then you have to be humble. And you also have to stay united. You have to stay united. Ministry is a team sport. It is not okay for you to do it on your own. Yes, there are hypocrites around. Yep. Still can't do it by yourself. Good luck finding someone who's not a hypocrite sometimes. Don't look up here because I'm not the guy. Do I know the truth? Yep. Do I preach the truth? To the best of my ability. Do I always do it? Nope. And neither do you. Yes, everybody needs to play their part. Yes, everybody needs to be the church, the scattered church when we are not together. Yes, we need to be CL168. Right, A church that stays on mission every hour of every week, not just the one hour of the week that we're together. Yes, that can only happen when every one of us is doing our part. But we can't forget that we're one part of a much bigger plan. We can't forget that who we are is defined by who we work for and who we work with. There's one faith, one Lord. One baptism into Christ. One God and Father of all who is in all of us, who has answered the call, who is living through all of us. Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And and he's over all of us. When you peel back the layers of superficial differences, we're all the same. It's the blood of Jesus flowing in all of our veins. There's no place for superstars in the kingdom. We've got to stay united. And unity requires surrender and personal sacrifice and submission. That's a function of humility too. You're never going to be united if you can't be humble. Now there are, there's real and dangerous heresy floating around out, out there. It's trying to present itself as the gospel when it has nothing to do with this word right here. And we've got to fight that tooth and nail till our dying breath. But more often than not, what we've been fighting over are just cosmetic issues while the mission falls to the wayside. He's given us a mission to carry out and a spirit-empowered team of people to serve with, but we can't stop nitpicking each other or climbing over each other long enough to get on the actual mission. If you do an autopsy on every failed ministry effort or church, you'll find that the cause of death was pride 
and division. That hasn't changed in thousands of years. What divided the kingdom of God in the first place? What happened to Lucifer that changed him into Satan, the adversary? Pride. And what happened as soon as pride dominated his life? Division. He brought division and deceived a third of the angels to follow him. It's still his number one strategy. Pride and division are still the one-two punch that's slowing the mission to a crawl. And it can only be defeated by an unwavering commitment to humility and unity. We have to ask ourselves the tough questions. We have to put ourselves on the back burner. So, John, how did a church... Y'all's size create a place for trafficked and, and exploited women to be restored and renewed and ministered to. How'd that happen? The answer is it's not about us. It's not about us. We didn't gain, we didn't gain anything. We didn't do it to gain something for ourselves. We did it for somebody else. Read the Jericho prayer. It's still out on the website. Read the Jericho prayer that we prayed for two or three years as we we're putting this thing together. The essence of it. And it actually lists it in there is humility and unity in order to accomplish something for somebody else. Sometimes people ask me, John, how can I pray for you? And then my mind goes blank. Anybody ever asked you that? Well, I'm like, I'm socially awkward, so I either say way too much, like 10 minutes later I'm still telling them things to pray for me about, or I just go and just say something stupid. So here's the real answer. And y'all remind me of this next time somebody asks me, how can I pray for you? Pray that covenant life and every part of this body stays humble and unified. Every leader, every team member, every volunteer, every person who's associated with this church is characterized by humility and unity everywhere they go, not just when we're together and have our church face on. Here's why it's important. Every person has been given a gift, or more than one, to be used for the body of Christ. If you don't keep the big picture in mind, then it can easily devolve into strife and competition trying to get your chance to shine. Have y'all seen that in church? It takes unity and humility to say this to the Lord. Lord, all my gifts are at your disposal. They're all yours. They're from you. They're for you. They're for your body. Position me for your glory. Advance me or promote me in your time and for your glory. I will serve in anonymity. I'll be overqualified for whatever task I've been given. I'll do whatever it takes to keep the body functioning at peak efficiency and to get the mission accomplished. I'm ready when and if my time comes, but until then, I'm serving and satisfied just to be part of the body. That's an attitude of humility and unity. And if you choked on those words, then you need to search your heart. 
can I, let, let me just get really, just drill it down to where we live, okay? It's just going to get really personal. God has assembled some really incredibly gifted people here at Covenant Life to do his work. It, it's just a fact. I'm not just talking about the platform people, though they're no exception. I, I'm in awe every week, up and down the campus, in nooks and crannies, everywhere. There are people serving with excellence and with love. And it's not just about what happens on this campus. So many of you are at the top of your field. Some of y'all are mechanics that can fix anything. Like other mechanics call you because you are gifted at what you do. Law enforcement who can just sense when something's off and knows what to do. Firefighters who continue to add certifications and honors just continue to push themselves to be the best they can. Stay-at-home moms who have created this safe haven for their families to grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Teachers who are masters of their crafts. People who are using their gifts inside and outside the church. But let me tell you something that I, that I have seen over and over again in 31 years of pastoral ministry. It can all be gone in a month. If we let pride and division get a toehold, not even a foothold. We have to, this sounds like a contradiction in terms, but we have to aggressively pursue peace. When something comes up, we got to squash that thing. We can't let it grow. We will implode if we don't keep humility and unity in the forefront of everything. We have to stay on our faces before God. John, how, do you, how does it happen? How does the church keep unity and, and, and humility in the, in the forefront of everything? Then you have to, we have to stay on our faces before God. We have to crucify our flesh. We have to deny ourselves. We have to refine our character. We have to define our role according to his will. We have to submit ourselves to him. We have to lift up every member of this body. We have to do what the scripture said and make every effort at staying in unity, bonded together with peace. Now, John, is it, is it really that simple? Is spiritual growth and ministry effectiveness in the body of Christ Really just about humility and unity? Let me read this to you in Psalm 133. This is the whole thing. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, who was the priest, down onto the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Mount Hermon in northern Israel were falling on Mount Zion. Listen, for there, where? In the presence of unity, the Lord bestows his blessing. He even bestows life evermore. King James Version is, is even more emphatic. It says when God's people dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing. He commands it. He orders the blessing of his people. When they get together with one mind and one accord, one purpose, focused on the mission and prepared to do whatever he says to do when he says to do it. John, how do we see a city-wide or a county-wide or 
regional revival. When the churches start to see themselves as different parts of the same body and not as competitors for the same group of customers. Too many churches are chasing each other's members while there's a whole world of people out there who don't know Jesus. Jesus told us to go and make disciples and we're waiting on somebody to show up. He said go make disciples of every person, not recycle the same ones over and over again. When we get the right perspective in the body of Christ, we have no idea how powerfully Jesus will move across this land, across this church, across your family, across your life. I think it was President Ronald Reagan that said, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't worry about who gets the credit. I don't know who he was talking to when he said it, but it's as true for pastors and church people as it ever was for any politician in Washington. God's got work for all of us to do. Work that serves other people. But if we don't get prepared for the mission with humility and and unity, it won't have any spiritual value. Have you answered the call? I'm serious. Are you saved? Are you following Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Him? And do you do that on a daily basis? I'm not saying you say the words or pray that specific prayer, but you live your life with that slant towards when when God tells me what to do, I'm doing it. And it's a it's an predetermined yes to whatever he says. If you have, if you haven't, today's the day. You can answer the call today. If you have, are you aggressively committed to peace in the body of Christ? Are you crucifying your flesh every day so that pride doesn't get a grip on your heart? Are you committed to seeing the benefit of the whole body of Christ, not just advancing your own agenda? Are you more interested in unity than recognition? Let's get prepared for the mission today. We're not going to stand. We're just going to pray. This altar is open. There is a Spirit's working. And there is a solemn call on us today. God, help us to to hear you and respond. In Jesus' name. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770 537 
770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.